This is The Boys Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about The Boys Season 3, Episode 4, Glorious Five-Year Plan. You want to know something? I used to be intimidated by you. I did. And now I look at you, I'm just... I have no idea why. Truly, you're not even pathetic. You're, you're just... nothing. Then why are you still here? Looking for my approval, like I'm your daddy. And even if I were, what would there be to approve of? The company is yours. No one left to stand up to you. But I think you'll come to sorely regret that. And why is that? Because there's no one left to cover for you either. Eventually, probably soon, the world will recognize you for the pitiful disappointment you are. You are not worthy of my respect. You are not a god. You are simply bad product. Welcome back, boys and girls, to The Boys Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Boys, Season 3, Episode 4, Glorious Five-Year Plan, which they really missed a beat by putting this on Episode 4. They should have done this episode title for Episode 5, but anyway, I am one of your illustrious hosts, Chris, and I am joined by Derek. Say hello. Yes, just the two of us uh, for this episode. Uh, nice to be back on the boys uh, at the midway point of the season. How weird is that after just two weeks? <laughs> two weeks and we're halfway through and you're like, oh my God, already? Yeah. I, I always wonder how, how other people take this because, you know, you get this big drop of three episodes and then one episode drip fed a week for five weeks. You know, it's lovely to get those great, that, that great big punch of three episodes to begin with. And then suddenly it's like, what do we do now? We've only got an hour of, of the show and then we've got to wait another week for the next one, you know? <laughs> Oh, I, I, I full on felt it this week. I full yeah. on felt the, oh, cool, cool. We can just drive in. Oh, oh no. no. Of course, I, because you, you watched all three back to back. I uh, did. Whereas, whereas I did it that way. Episode by episode. Uh, of course. Well, I should um, just ask you, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> I, it, it, it's not fun. I'm not enjoying it because I'm like, I want to know what happens at the end. Like, we are pretty much left on a slightly big cliffhanger. Death, destruction. Mm-hmm. Lots of nakedness. Will these people find clothes? <laughs> will they? Will these people survive? Uh-huh. Will the boys stay together? Um, lots of questions that I still have to wait five. seven days for. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about next week. We're here to talk about this week's mm-hmm. content. Or we're here to talk about episode four, the glorious five-year plan. And if you don't know who we are, you are listening to TV Podcast Industries. Want to know more? Head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can find all of our podcasts, all of our posts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google. We are on Apple. We are on every thought or CIA slash boys affiliated podcast catcher. You name it, we are there. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Why not head on over? Subscribe everywhere you can. Leave us a like. Leave us a review. And even better, why not leave us some feedback by heading on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and leaving us a voicemail there or just emailing us your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com because we want to hear from you. Absolutely. We are recording these episodes in advance, thanks to Prime Video uh, for providing us with the episodes for review. But we will talk about your feedback. We do want to hear your thoughts on the show. We have a bit of feedback on the first three episodes uh, coming up towards the end of the podcast. But share them with us. We will talk about them on the episodes as we go. And anything that we miss out during the season run, we will talk about uh, at the end of the season. We will do it on our wrap-up podcast. But we always want to hear from you uh, and your thoughts about this crazy, crazy show. <laughs> Specifically, any crazy thoughts you have, any crazy theories, because I can't be the only one coming up here with the wacky theories. I need yours too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't do theories anymore, especially because everyone that I've thought of has happened in the next episode. Theories of, of things that I thought were going to happen at the end of the season are happening now. So, <laughs> so I don't know where this show's going. Oh yeah, I I reached on a slight tangent. Was watching the the latest season of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. called a crazy theory. 
of who I thought the people might be going, mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't it be really cool if they did this? Mm-hmm. And I was 100% right. And I was, I just don't know where I go anymore on this. I have, <laughs> I've reached the pinnacle of my crazy theory guessing and it turning to be right. I was like, they zigged, they zigged, and then they zigged again, and I called it. So basically, it's only on shows we don't cover on the podcast. Pretty much. The way there's only okay. the only per- person who can prove me actually saying this is my wife. Uh-huh. And she's, of course, going to side with me and say no, I did she it won't. anyway. <laughs> no, she won't. Of course, no, she won't. She'll 100% hang me out to dry. But we're not here to talk about laundry being hung out to dry. We are here to talk about the boys. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into it with some episode details. Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what? Absolutely. Showrunner for the series is Eric Kripke, based on the comic book series from Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. Executive producers for the show are Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, This episode was written by Meredith Glynn as she joined the Supernatural writing team in season 12 as a writer and co-producer, working her way up to supervising producer on the show by season 14. So lots of work over there. I think she wrote 14 episodes of uh, of Supernatural, uh, which of course came from Eric Kripke. Uh, She joined the show after Eric Kripke left, though. So nice that he's still taking over other people from the show after he left. It's kind of cool. Yes, and she obviously has people like Jensen. Eccles is in this one. Exactly. She got to write for him again, even if it was chest explodes there you go uh, well, yes yes exactly uh, the episode was directed by julian holmes uh, who, who did direct episode three as well yes excellent but do you want to tell us what they gave us with the synopsis for this episode absolutely i'm gonna be really happy when uh, when john gets back uh, so he can take over some of this again and, and we can and, get and his rewrite. illustrious sure yes exactly i'll, I'll give you a sure give me a sure, sure chris sure with the help of little nina the boys go to russia to track down the weapon to kill homelander but she wants something in return Either they hand over Sherry to be punished by Nina, or Kimiko has to kill one of her enemies. Kimiko has to pretend to be an escort for the target and uses some seven related collectibles to take him and his security out. After addressing Dan from Homelander, Huey is feeling powerless, but when he learns of Billy's stash of temporary V, he seizes an opportunity to do some damage. With Nina's mission taken care of, the boys set their sights on the weapon to kill Homelander and break into a Russian lab. After Billy unleashes his powers, and Huey lays bare his own powers and saves some other's milk, they discover Soldier Boy frozen in the lab. Without a word, lasers explode from his chest, leaving Kimiko wounded and unable to heal. Meanwhile, Homelander extends his power by using Numa to take out Stan Edgar as head of Vault Industries. With no one else to stand in his way, Star- Starlight teams up with Maeve, and brings in new seven-member Supersonic in an attempt to overthrow their leader. Following a fight with Homelander and the Deep, Supersonic tries to recruit A-Train, but it's a bad move for the new soup, as A-Train reveals their plot to Homelander, who dispatches Supersonic and threatens Starlight. If she even blinks the wrong way, repeat after me, that will be Huey. Devastating consequences of uh, telling the wrong person the plan, huh? Yeah, but loose lips sink ships. And, um, or in this case, loose lips uh, cause the guy to be torn apart yes, and yes, brutalized. Um, and what well, we knew it was coming with A Train, but that's a topic for later. Well, we very specifically didn't know it was coming with A Train, which is my point, which I'll talk about later, Chris. <laughs> okay, that's true. We should say that way, yes. But okay, let's get into it. Let's get into our very spoiler-filled moments. Each of us have chosen our individual protagonist boys and seven antagonist moments and some other outstanding moments for each of us in this episode. Let's just kick into it. Let's kick into what can only be one of the coolest, um, coolest, coolest scenes. A blink and you'll miss it and then you'll see it all moment with Huey where he blinks out of existence Mm -hmm teleports over, loses all his clothes, and puts his hand through a gentleman, um, which just looked mm-hmm. spectacularly cool. Um, and then we see intoxicated Huey staring at a glowing arm as it heals in the starlight as he the van drives away. But really, my point is Huey. Huey as becoming super Huey, but actually even... T- taking it all the way back to him starting to feel mm. more and more powerless in a world of soups in a world of a war on soups the boys have lost an edge they are like going up against 
the Homelander, Superman on steroids with an ego mm-hmm. that can match it. Um, he is basically threatening to kill them all, to wipe them out. And when he stands up to Homelander, yeah, he giggles. Homelander, like, literally calls and goes, I will destroy you. I will destroy mm-hmm. you, your friends, your family, when they all meet with Starlight and Huey and um, Homelander mm-hmm. in Starlight's apartment. Uh, her, her office. Her office. Yeah. 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 In the tower. Um, and just seeing him stand up and then having that constant reminder where Homelander signed his cast. Oh, yeah. Basically branding him with, like, don't forget, I, I own you. I can destroy yeah. you. I can do whatever I want with you and your girlfriend. And I love how that plays out. It's such a simple thing with Anthony Starr getting uh, getting the pen and writing uh, from Homelander on uh, on this uh, cast that Huey's got. You know, it's just, it's just such a simple thing, but how it really plays on his mind, this constant reminder of, exactly as Huey says, the bullies that he's tried to stand up to all his life, the people that have always been at him, and now he feels so powerless, he can't even breathe, is what he's saying. He feels like he can't do anything at all anymore. There's no way to stand up to Homelander. If you're in his sights, you're going to die instantly. You know, he says, effectively, mm-hmm. Homelander was going to cut him in half in front of Starlight. Um, and nobody would have been there to stop him, you know? So it's a really horrible feeling for Huey to be going through. And I love how, he's, I love how he explains it. And, and you can completely see why he takes this opportunity to take the V, um, especially because Billy's doing it. So why shouldn't he? You know? Yeah. But beyond that, he's getting all these external pressures as well, where you see essentially the Russian TV, oh, wow. the, the cable news networks are making animated, um, basically... I want to say cuckold slash basically him being just a crying boyfriend in the corner, ex-boyfriend in the corner animations, but almost like Terrence and Phillips style animations from South Park, just flapping heads. That was hilarious. I love that every time he turns on the TV, there's someone making fun of him crying about losing his girlfriend to Homeland. It's just so funny. (laughs) Yeah. So he hasn't been able to forget it. So yeah, he does. And I, 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 so he does take that opportunity. He asks, Butcher for the V when he walks in on Butcher kind of shooting up. Um, And Butcher says no. And then we thought that Mm -hmm. was the end of it. And I do like that Butcher's got heat vision and invulnerability Mm -hmm. and super strength. And what Huey gets is teleportation Mm -hmm. uh, and invulnerability and strength as well. So just, and they all come with an element of healing factor type Mm -hmm. of thing. But I love it's that everyone is shocked. Even Huey is shocked. Yes. By it. He has no idea, has no opportunity to test what the powers are effectively. But yeah, I love the hilarious moment because of course they're going to do that to Jack Wade. If he gets superpowers, there's going to be, have to be some kind of drawback to it. He can't look as cool as Carl Urban's Billy when he gets his superpowers. He can't look that cool. He has to be completely naked in front of everybody uh, after using his parents. It's hilarious. Uh, slight side note. I was wondering about this. I know it's weird. It's just because you brought up the the TV, um, uh, the state media TV stuff in, in Russia. I was wondering, is there a big difference between the population in Russia and the state media and how they think of the superheroes? Because those cartoons that are going on have Huey crying in the corner because Starlight's now with the biggest superhero in the world. Whereas when we go around the streets of Russia, there's loads and loads of images of all the superheroes, all the big supers and the seven, uh, in not compromising positions, but basically criticisms of them being the super super Nazis that they are in their minds, I guess. So it, it seemed yeah. like they were saying that the Russian people and the Russian state media are dealing with them differently. Yeah, I think the Russian public kind of what we based on those the mm-hmm. graffiti. It's yeah, very much the Russian public hate. Vought America and all their what their soups entail, and you got to think, Homelander is the embodiment of the American mm-hmm. way. So they have him in those compromising positions, kiss, kissing Black mm-hmm. Noir, kind of being like the devil from above, raining death down on. And you've got to think that's how it can potentially really? be when you've got them potentially trying to get into the military, and you think that, yeah, well. He who controls the soups in their military controls mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And have this, well, yeah, no one's going to do anything to your country because you've got 
You well, absolutely. Like Remember, Watchmen would be the biggest example of this. It's not, it's not just Superman. Yep. The Homeland is based on the character of in the Watchmen of Dr. Manhattan when he's created the first words that are said are, we have the Superman and he's American. You know, that's that's the kind of attitude, I guess, people outside of America are would take towards someone like Homelander. So uh, so interesting yeah. to see that, you know, even even though it's in the background, you do get that sense of some of the rest of the world and what they think of uh, of the soups. So interesting one. I, I was hoping we would get um, fought Russia soups mm. or versions of that, like hammer and sickle kind of style. In the comic books, we do see some of the Russian. Oh, very good. Uh, Russian kind of soups, yeah. and I was hoping we would get that. We might get that next episode. Well, I think um, don't want to stray too much into it, but I suppose we're in the Russian lab. This is why Huey's having the fight there, you know, and, and we do get the reveal that Soldier Boy's in there, and he has a very different power than he had in the past. He's got this laser bolt that comes out of his chest. So, I, my my guess on what's happening here is that they've captured a soup and they've been testing on him to try and get the powers for themselves without Vought and without. Compound V, you can't have other superheroes, right? So even Billy and, and Huey are getting their superpowers from Vault directly, effectively. Yeah. So um so nobody else in the world has soups other unless Vault has been giving them the drug, I guess, uh, in this in this version of the story. So potentially there are Russian soups that have been created out of the testing on Soldier Boy. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's where it is going. Yeah. Because we do get the the best scene in the world. We get it. We get um, Super Hamster, not a gerbil, <laughs> Super Hamster, uh-huh. um, causing the alarm, floating and flying in the air mm-hmm. just behind the guy with Frenchie going, uh, and then it just going into the guy's eye socket Oof. and burrowing it. And all I had, again, another South Park reference, do you remember the gerbil going through um, Mr. Garrison? Yes, um, I do. Chris. Basically, I got that. That was in my head, just going. He's going to start singing. And that's what they're. But Lemmy anyway. winks, Chris. Lemmy winks. Lemmy winks. <laughs> um, that was amazing. Uh-huh. We'll call it the CGI terrible, but it was hilarious. It was. It was so worth the five seconds of humor yeah. it got of just a floating hamster flying. And then speeding into the guy's absolutely, face. Absolutely. You know, it, it's one of those ones where you know something was going to happen when Frenchie saw saw the hamster and started tapping on the glass. It's like, no, no, leave leave that alone. You're you're in a lab. Do not tap on the glass at a creature that's inside. It's definitely been tested on. <laughs> yeah. I did think because it had extra hair and looked extra hairy, I thought it was going to be zap and it's a human. Because it had that very oh, long right. tray, yeah. I thought it was going to be this person who shapeshifts in and out to, of a hamster, right. the, a useless power yeah. kind of. Well, no, potentially you could fit into tight spaces, but that's about it. I mean, you can fly. Absolutely, we did see that in the boys' diabolical. We did see that some soups get terrible powers, so yeah, uh, so entirely possible. I, I can see where you were going with that, Chris. But yes, yeah. um, but look, that, that that is all cool, and I think that's where potentially it may go into the next episode. Mm. You're right. I think the the aspect is. Yeah, okay, well, now Russia has experimented on mm-hmm. Soldier Boy. He now has his own new powers. And maybe they have a raft of superpowered ind- Russian superpowered individuals mm-hmm. or super hamsters that are going to go after the boys as they flee the scene. Just trying to reverse engineer the, uh, the Comp V, I guess. Yeah. Yes, or what is left of the boys, I should say. Because at the end of mm-hmm. this... They are, uh, they are, there's nothing left for Mother's Milk to save. Exactly. And, and the reason for this is because two of them have now taken V. So, you know, Mother's Milk has always been involved in this team only to take out the soups that, particularly the soups that, that killed his family. So, Soldier Boy, uh, throughout this season has been mm. underpinning why MM is, is here. And the moment that he realizes that they've stepped it up. A level in, in Huey's mind and Billy's mind that they've taken the V uh, to go after the Super Simone and he realizes that that's it for him and he's he's out. We are we also heard from Kimiko and from Frenchie that they want out as well. So uh, so yeah, we're we're at that halfway point where everything is broken, everything is gone. Yeah. And what what do you think? Like this this we we mentioned it before in the comic books. This is pretty regular. They take V all they they take V and they are super powered going up against the Supes. Um, yeah. It seems like Billy's already getting addicted to this and it's only a second dose. Um, yeah. It seems like. And Huey, Huey is, is already entranced in a, in a, in a euphoric narcotic state. Mm-hmm. And I think 
that's that's what, what the difference is. I think they're going to make it very much an addictive drug. Potentially, potentially. Now, Huey um, hasn't gone through the come down that Billy went through last episode, and Billy did not prepare him for that because he thought he wasn't going to take the drug. So I presume um, we'll see lots of puke in the next episode as well. Yeah, it's good. And projectile level Definitely. Again. Oh, my God, we're just going to get that scene where one is puking on the other oh. and it's projectile. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, anywho. Um, yeah, so that was, that was really mm-hmm. it. That was my major point but did you want to bring up yours absolutely yeah yeah my major uh moment for the episode look gotta talk about uh kimiko's final battle let's call it um her her mission to take out one of uh little nina's enemies um i love this because we haven't really seen kimiko on a mission um in this way we you know we we know she was used in the past for these abilities we get a really harsh moment from billy uh where she tries to step away and say i'm not your gun i'm not your weapon effectively and billy just says to her you are that's that's your only reason for being here um you're the one that i point um at the thing i want to kill and you kill them so um so that's that's a really harsh moment you know from um from her past we've seen her used by shining light this organization that's been using her for years eventually her brother died because of that relationship and she compares them all together she goes little nina who was in control of frenchie shining light who's control of me and now butcher in control of the boys they're all the same thing they're all trying to use us for their goals not for our not for what we want not for what we want to do so uh so chemicals looking like she's going to be gone uh, are going to be leaving uh, from the boys in the future they make their arrangement again to go off to marseille um to spend their lives together um which would have been nice but um yes we have her effectively going undercover doing her her own james bond uh, moments to get into the into the room with this russian oligarch who's surrounded by uh, by women and um as always, creatively, the boys have used the most interesting way to kill. Uh, they uh, they open up the seven collectible dildos, which are all uh, underground um, and not on the open market. Uh, one representing each one of the seven. Um, I, I, I just hilarious. Absolutely loved uh, this moment. And I love they had the glass one representing translucent. You know, they, there's every every one of them is designed after each after each member of the seven. I think. I didn't count them, but I think she uses every single one of them on somebody else, somebody in the room. So, uh, so she picks her her black noir one to begin with uh, to take out her actual target, and then as it goes on with all of the security guards, uh, the Queen Maeve one is cut in half. So she goes to goes to the next one. She uses the Starlight one. I think she uses every single one of the seven that are in there in the scene. I think it's just the Homelander one that she doesn't because that's on a strap. Oh yes, with a big that's big because we see that being threatened to be used later by a different individual. Well, you say threatened, but Cameron Coleman, the presenter of Fox News, I mean VTV, um, seems to be really up for that. So I don't know whether that's threatening or whether that's just a new relationship with Ashley starting out. Uh. <laughs> I yeah, can we take it? Can we veer off to the left here? Can we just talk about that. this Ashley scene? Um, I'm really interested where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about Homelander later and we'll talk about Vought later. But Ashley, Ashley wasn't a bad character like in episode season one. Like she was just the PR marketing person who kind of, she was Vought. She was Vought, yeah. but she wasn't, she was just corporate. She was the, 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 the mirror on the corporate entity world of PR and marketing like it was all about the numbers and things like that. Well she was reasonably new and working for Madeline Stilwell who was keeping yeah. her down effectively. So I think her relationship with other Ashley as uh, as I think her name comes up in the credits even which I think is hilarious uh, but her relationship with other Ashley is very similar to Madeline Stilwell's relationship with with uh, her when she was starting out in the organization it was uh, she was on a very low rung of the rung of the ladder um, she just did what she was told and tried her best to get out of it. She was terrified every single day. And I think, I think now she just has no Fs to give. Um, she's kind of yeah. going, I have to stay alive. And I'm in this position that effectively Homelander will cut me in half if I don't do what he wants me to do. So I do feel like she is treating everybody around her whatever way she needs to, to get herself out of these situations. Yeah. I think she's also just becoming the epitome of like the new world order, which is the Homelander way. Mm. 
Maybe. And I think that's because she she parrots him. She literally the exact word, phrase, and tone is given from her to this presenter. And bullies downwards, basically. Yeah, and then with just the 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 large phallic threat promise Uh gift. So. I don't know incentive, <laughs> whatever way you want to call it, uh, and I just I thought that was such an interesting. I I think I'm interested to see what they do with the character. Is she going to? Is there a redemptive arc element, or is it just going to be she's gone, like she's beyond the pale? Yeah, I feel, I feel like Ashley is going to stay stay alive until she doesn't. Um, that's kind. Of, that's yeah. kind of her arc. Uh, I don't think there's any redemption. She's tried her best to do everything she can do, but she's dealing with children um, who are really powerful and will kill her uh, at, in the blink of an eye, basically. So uh, mm. she knows she knows her position, and she fights every single day to stay alive. I think that's basically it. Uh, but yes, she is starting to bully people a lot more. Uh, I've noticed that too, Chris. Yeah, yeah. So back to your main main mm. point on this, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. It was dildo related, Chris. So, um, yes. so I guess it was in the same area, <laughs> in, the same region, in the same region. Um, not really too much more to say, but I did love the fight. I loved how it was staged. Totally bloody and gruesome. You know, you mentioned before how much blood has been used in this season season so far, but um, but I love how how violent the scene is. And again, you know, this whole thing with Kimiko is that she can't speak either. So she can't justify her actions to anybody around her. Uh, when she has taken out every security guy in the room plus, uh, plus the target, um, she's left with the women who were in the room. Um, and all of them are terrified of her. Um, and she can't do anything about that. She, she realizes from their faces what they see. You know, that, that's another one of those kind of break moments for Kimiko. She knows that everybody sees her as this weapon and this massively violent person. And it must be the way she sees the soups and what they've done, done, done to her and done to her family. So she, she sees that. She sees how other people see her, I suppose, and she needs to get out of this, uh, out of this situation. Um, so that is her final battle. That was, that was the one last job before she, before she left. She does uh, agree with, uh, with Frenchie to go along in this job to the lab. But if you notice throughout the whole, the whole, the, all the scenes in the lab, she's not really being, um, very interactive with what's going on. Mm-hmm. She's not jumping up to be the one to take out all the guards she's she's there with everybody else on this final job in case they need her but the only thing she does is try to save frenchy when we have that moment with soldier boy coming out um and she does save frenchy but not herself she takes this full force laser to her body and she doesn't heal um for the first time you know we we have that reminder i suppose that she can get back up from anything. She gets a bullet to the head this time, um, and gets the bullet is pushed out of her, pushed out of her brain. She gets back up and goes on a better day, effectively. So, um, whereas this time with a laser bolt to her from Soldier Boy, she doesn't get back up, and it has to be taken off the hospital. So, um, that's pretty massive, I guess. Yeah. I guess is there something in the power that takes away her superpowers? Um, that is that what's happening from from this new Soldier Boy weapon? I guess I, I'm going to postulate here mm-hmm. that I think the weapon that was that the weapon that could c- kill Homelander and kill Soldier Boy is Soldier mm-hmm. Boy. Essentially, they they stole Soldier Boy to make a weapon. Yeah, that could kill anything. Uh, any other soup, and I think that now that weapon is Soldier Boy, and I think the 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 next now we're at the halfway mark. The next four episodes is the boys trying to get Soldier Boy under control and point that weapon directly at Homeland, mm-hmm. yeah, and see what happens and pray that it, well either get him on side, which I don't think will happen. I think it's going to be um essentially just point him at the, the point the two basically if superman a and superman b superman red superman blue fought like what happens right yeah yeah i totally agree with that i think that's uh that's where they're going uh that's my uh boys moment my protagonist moment for the episode chris uh let's move on to our antagonist moment our seven moment do you have anything to yeah talk about let's jump in mm-hmm. um i'll jump with this one it, it is essentially homelander mm-hmm. um and homelander's uh kind of continued I want to say slide into fascism, but that kind of um, that's kind of giving slides a a, a very 
uh, bad name. This is just his jump and fall and hit every road down because he really is, he gives no shits. Mm. It is now, uh, everything is for play and everything is in play. I don't like calling out every time an actor, like, because, say, Anthony Starr and kind of Carl Urban Mm -hmm. and Jack Wade, like, Anthony Starr, they're fantastic in every, like, so far in every episode. Mm -hmm. But really... I want to give props to Anthony Starr on this one, especially with the last episode where we really saw him say, go do it. I, I like, I, I'm, I want to be loved, but I'm happy to be feared. Mm-hmm. That speech, that, that was a monologue, but essentially it's not, it's a speech. Yeah. But the follow through on the promise here, yeah. where his tone is just sliding so quickly as he delivers these sentences in the, the script. He's jumping from, smiley happy homelander that we got through all season one Mm -hmm. and this new more twisted and open for fear happy to be feared homelander yeah yeah yeah. um and we see it with huey we see it with we see it with with pretty much every scene Mm -hmm. even later on with victoria we see it uh, at the end with starlight it's all just Flipping between these masks. Yeah. My point is Homelander. Mm-hmm. He made the joke at the beginning, like, don't talk about the Uber mention. Don't don't mm-hmm. be talk about fascism and Nazism and I'm not that. He's a hundred percent that. Absolutely. Like he's he was he always was. He was getting there closer and closer. Yeah. But it's like the straw that broke the camel's back has fully broken and it is there and gone now well absolutely the point he's making is that soups are better than humans and they are their own race and they should all stick together as uh, as a group of people that is exactly the the idea of the nazism the uh, the exact idea is everybody else is lesser than us there's something that i did notice throughout this episode in almost every conversation that homelander has he ends his attack on someone with oh i was only joking and it's unbelievably stressful for the other people yeah. in the situation. It's, you know, he is effectively saying he's going to kill Huey to his face and then goes, oh, I was only joking. And he says something similar to Newman later on as well. and goes, oh, I was only joking. It seems like it's almost his new catchphrase is to really threaten somebody. And when they get scared of him to go, I was only joking, even though he doesn't mean it at all. He is really threatening you and really telling you uh, he will kill you if, if he wants to and take and take you out. You know, there's there's that moment with Starlight in in Vault Terrors when he's saying to her, um, "You need to just follow everything that I'm doing because this is the path." There even is that moment in this episode with Homelander saying to the people around him that he has this plan, he has this everything planned out for the future he's thought of all eventualities and the only eventuality is follow him or die effectively Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of it so um yeah really terrifying in this episode and really uh really scary i must admit i probably thought homelander was a lot less intelligent than he was in the last couple of seasons maybe because stan edgar has had him trapped down so much and maybe because madeline stillwell treated him the way she did in the first couple of seasons like an absolute child it feels like he has been thinking about his plan and has covered all bases. Um, that's what makes him so terrifying this season. Yeah. So in the comic books, the Homelander character has been like, do you remember that dream sequence we saw last season where he was mm-hmm. killing everyone? That yeah. has been apparently, in, well, in the comic books, that was Homelander from the beginning. Right. He was always, he was just, he was this psychopath who, was basically just being thinly veiled, controlled, and had this veil of being uh, the, the the red, white, and blue hero. And then mm-hmm. under it was just living for the violence and the crazy. But he had had it all planned out. Yeah, Everything yeah. about the demise of the US, where the heroes would win, had mm-hmm. he been thinking about it since a kid, as payback for all of the things that they did to him, the humans mm-hmm. did to him. I think they'll get, they'll, there'll be a speech around that, which is since, cause we did see Homelander as a kid in the, 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 the rooms with the doctors and the, yeah. the, the point, points and the sticks and <laughs> there's no carrots there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll get a scene where he'll talk about that when I don't know, mm-hmm. because that is a thing. You're right. Like they, they're showing him now to be this master. Tactician. Yeah, it feels like that. It feels, as, as I say, it feels like he's thought about his next steps. That's why I think in episode two, we said it was a little bit slower. Episode three was a little bit slower. Um, 
that he didn't break out and just go after everybody and kill everybody like he promised he would yeah. uh, to Starlight. He effectively told Starlight his plan for destroying America if he wanted to do that. He could do it by just taking out all the all the places, the heads of state, and then going around and uh, taking out communications towers. You know, he did already reveal that as an, op- an option for him, but he's going more slowly and more methodically. And it's much scarier. Yeah. It's much, much scarier. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm going to talk about Stan Edgar as perfect. my point. Uh, That's for, perfectly for the antagonist. Um, because he's always seemed to have the reins um, for these last couple of seasons. He's always been that scary guy in the, in the, uh, in the main office in the building that has, you know, known what's going to happen to him in the future. And it seems like he's trained his daughter, uh, Victoria Newman with those methods and it seems to have backfired on him um i i love how this played out you know this idea that that him telling victoria just to you know slap the wrists of homelander give him a little fine it'll be paid paid for at fault but it tells him in the public eye we still have the shackles on you but homelander gets to her first um tells her effectively i, I guess threatens her daughter or yeah um, Some variation of that. Yeah, not exactly cer- sure what, but she's certainly scared, and she certainly knows that that threat is there. Yeah. So I I love how it plays out. This conversation is between Homelander and Stan Edgar. The kind of the the idea that Homelander has won here. He tells Stan Edgar, you know, you're on temporary leave, but that has a way of becoming permanent in in Vault Industries. You know that that's that tends to happen. So it does feel like. Stan Edgar has been retired and there's the deliciousness of of Homelander looking at him going, I finally beat you. And Stan Edgar kind of going, well, not really, because she's done exactly what I told her to do. She's seen this point in time where she's going to have to turn on me to preserve herself exactly like I would always have done. And she's taken that opportunity. Hmm. Um, so really interesting. I love. I really like how that all played out. But she does want something in return from Homelander and, he, and she gets it. She gets Compound V. Yep. In return for for that. But he's still massively threatening, even though she did do what she uh what she said she'd do by taking out San Edgar. He's still massively threatening to her. And there's <laughs> more to come on that gift. one. I think that yeah. he he now she's in his pocket because the, do they need does she need a second dose, a third dose, an eighth dose? Maybe. Is Maybe. it going to be that? On Giancarlo Esposito, he's not mm-hmm. gone. No? No, that can't be the end of this character it can't be the end of Stan Edgar like it's an interesting it, it would be an interesting end and Giancarlo Esposito has been in so many shows yeah. at the moment that I wonder if this is if this is a way just simply in the background a way of getting him off the, the board show so, for he, a while. so he can so he can go off and film Mandalorian season three or uh or whatever other massive show that he's in um he's a very very strong character and he has been in the background, they've used him so well for the last three seasons. Um, I can't imagine he's gone, gone. But it's a good way to take him off the board and bring him back next season. Or yeah, bring him back that was my thing. So either they've taken him off the board temporarily, or mm. it's going to be he now goes work with Huey and the boys. He he Maybe. turns and he goes and tries to help. He'll be the supplier of V twenty four. Maybe, yeah. Um, he's such a good character, and he's such a good actor mm-hmm. that okay, if it's yeah, if he has to just go off, it's it's scheduling conflict. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm only guessing. I've said before, I don't predict anything in this show, Chris, because he could. Be back I know, next but week. I do. He could be, he could be the center of the show next week. Uh, it could be all about. <laughs> We're saying that now. He's like, no, he's <laughs> We're saying this, and he's going to be killed off in the next episode. That's so, it. Like he's just like his head. Homelander slices his head off and comes with it. And like oof. there you go. See, can't, I can't predict anything uh, to do with what's coming up, but I did love these scenes here as as Homelander effectively gets his revenge on a person who's been in control of everything for so long. Um, yeah. We, we did say that moment when Stan Edgar said, as long as I'm here, everybody's safe. <laughs> we knew that that was uh, a precursor to, uh, no. to something happening to Stan. Yeah, you, it, it's the standard like um, horror movie trope. We're right. in a house, we're safe now, and then someone comes through the window. It, it, <laughs> yeah, you never say these things. Absolutely, absolutely. That's my seventh moment. Any other outstanding moments from the episode that we want to talk about, Chris? Um. Well, we talked about Victoria's child there mm, a um, little bit, yeah. very quickly. That scene, and I think you even said to me when we were just before we started recording, 
That poor kid acted her socks off. She was really good. Yeah, uh, Zoe as uh, mm. as um, Victoria's uh, daughter's name. Um, yeah, getting injected with the V. Um, just the terror on her face of not knowing what exactly is going to happen. The the kind of brutality of the noise coming from her bones oh. as as it's being as V's being absorbed into her body and it's changing whatever way it is. And again, not that we know what's going to happen with the character, but Victoria is really guessing here with what V is going to do to her daughter, what power it's going to give her. Um, I'm presuming this isn't temporary V, that, that Homeland has actually given her a full dose of the V that's usually given to, to young kids and, and they develop superpowers. So she's gotten a much more violent dose than we saw uh, Billy and, and Huey guess. Neither of them had any particular reaction uh, mm. when they took when they took the V, not like this anyway. So We've seen this go badly in this universe before as well. We've seen how bad the superpowers they can get out of this. Um, so Victoria is really gambling here to yeah. to um, to get this power, but she does a brilliant job um, reacting to it. I also love just how it ends with her screaming and then it just cutting to the drawing of herself and her mom on the wall, this lovely, pretty picture that she's drawn of a loving family and, uh, and her screaming. Of course, that's... that's uh, the greatness of the boys to, to juxtapose those two together. I, I, I do wonder, because usually from what we've seen so far, it's usually children a lot younger who to her mm. given that. Um, so that's a one interesting. I wonder if they're going to do that. She was sick and this is the only way um, she could live. Maybe. And Stan was like, never going to give her the V. And it was another just piece or that there's something more to it. I think. Uh, or as you said, it's just in order. Her soups will be the ruling race going forward if Homelander's decision is to goes forward or his his wild plans. So therefore, she wants her daughter to be a soup. Maybe, maybe. I I, I genuinely thought it was just for protection. It's the idea that Homelander can threaten my daughter until she gets powers. So. I'm giving my daughter Paris, so both of us are at least are powered, so maybe we can uh, protect each other from Homelander in case he turns on us. Well, we, we do see later on that getting powers uh, does not equate to uh, being safe from Homelander. That's very true. Um, and, you know, there is an opportunity for Victoria to have crushed his head um, effectively with her with her superpowers. So uh, so when Homelander arrives, uh, that's exactly what he t- tells her. You know, do you think you can get fast enough and and, uh, and explode my head before I get to you? You know, that's always the gamble you take with Homelander as well, you know? Um, so, yes, interesting. I, I guess we'll find out more of that, that. We only saw the injection scene, so I'm yeah. sure we're going to see that play out uh, as the episodes go on. Um, yeah, that was really amazing. I, I, I already mm-hmm. talked about Super Hamster. That was my outstanding moment. Main outstanding moment. <laughs> That's your, your it's big really bad. <laughs> so sassy kids or sassy animals are mm-hmm. my, like, it's it's just a thing in my heart that I will always love. So when Dang, you have a sassy it. flying superhero animal, even better. Excellent. <laughs> what about you? Any outstanding moments? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the one that I got wrong from last week again. I never should predict <laughs> things. Um, I, I thought A-Train was on a, a path to uh, to redemption himself uh, in this show, but nobody gets redeemed in this show. Um, yeah, a- A-Train tries a little bit to go down that path. He, he brings the idea of... Uh, of trying to take out Blue Hawk, this uh, this racist superhero who's been um, over policing uh, uh, black neighborhoods, effectively going after black people and killing them. Um, curb stomping the pavement so hard it shatters. Sorry, curb stomping the guy's head so hard it shattered the pavement. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what we learned last episode. Uh, and when A Train brings this to the Seven, uh, a, a pretty honest request he's effectively saying we need to just take this guy out and take him off the table for a while you know um but of course deep and uh basically his wife his manipulative wife um decide to step in now and, and curry favor with homelander so um so that whole idea is taken off the table and the reason is that the same racist followers that follow blue hawk are the same racist followers that are following homelander so he could lose numbers he could lose popularity if they take out someone who's as racist as he is so or as racist as his followers is let's say um so that creates this antagonizing moment between the deep and a train um they go toe to toe we get a we get a, a battle between the two of them i think deep's only back in the seven a day right yeah. and they're already at each other's throats um 
but a possible opportunity here for the other team, the rest of the seven who are trying to take out uh, Homelander. And unfortunately, it's um, it is um, Alex, the brand new soup, who falls foul of it. He doesn't really realize the dynamics in the team. Doesn't really realize they don't talk to each other or they can't trust each other. Um, Starlight learned most of that on her first day, but uh, but this new guy, Alex Supersonic, doesn't realize that you can't trust anybody in the seven. You need to really know who they are, and tries to bring A Train A Train into the team and tell him their whole plot to go behind the back of Homelander. And unfortunately, A-Train goes straight to the front of Homelander and tells him the whole plan, um, leading to Supersonic's death, uh, and pretty brutal-looking death as well. Wow. Did not expect that to happen. No. I I was intrigued when they took the love triangle off the table uh, with Supersonic, when he's talking to Starlight and saying to her, oh, I've loved you for my whole life. I'm only joking. Seriously, I'm here to protect you, because... You're you're one of my best friends, uh, and you deserve to be protected. I was like, "Wow, that's an interesting story." They've taken that that whole uh, love triangle off the table. I wasn't expecting them to die the same episode. Though. No, uh, and I and I enjoyed that. Way. That was a fun comedic moment, and you're like, "Oh, that's really cool." Mm. Oh, it's great! Like, so this is our the beginning of the the opposite seven, the yeah. like the, the Suicide Squad going against the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. Nope. Nope. Um. Yeah. It's gone now. Yeah. I mean, it is it's very much Homelander standing up to Starlight and telling her, you know, how far do you think this is going to get you if you try and use your superpowers on me? You're dead. You're gone. Yeah. And Huey's dead and gone. I'll make sure you watch it and you see it happen. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, really brutal. Yeah, I'm interested by this one because for me, this was a, oh, cool. Like, we had the opportunity of getting a new soup because we've had a lot of the same soups for the long time. If you think about it, this has been pretty much the same soups for most of the mm-hmm. two seasons. So I was like, oh, great. They're going to introduce someone into the seven who will be kind of be almost like Starlight and kind of go forward and be maybe the new Lamplighter who we never got. Or, well, we mm-hmm. did get, we got Lamplighter actually we did. last season. But you know what I mean. <laughs> he a wasn't more, a member of the seven, though. Yes. Uh, and I was like, this is going to be cool because we do get, the, we never saw him use his powers, really. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what Supersonic's powers are. I presume they're the same, they're, they're similar to, uh, to A-Train's. Um, because of the name, but I, I think no he idea. was just he makes booms, sonic booms. Maybe uh, no. I don't know. Um, Maybe but he's it, supersonic because he has a great singing voice. There you go. Oh my god, he could be like Banshee. Yeah. See, this is the thing. We never got that. I wanted a bit more of that, yeah. but it, it's so. But yeah, that's not to be the case, unfortunately. And do you know what else is even more brutal about this? Homelander has been on a night out with. <laughs> Uh, with Starlight, and they go outside, get photographs taken of them, and then he brings her to show her the body of her friend. Um, that's that is what gets me about Homelander. It's this vindictiveness and evilness that he's willing to leave this dead body of her friend on a building while he goes out for the evening with her, and then bring her and show her, um, show her the body. It's just that that really evil streak. He's yeah. still able to pretend to be. Uh, to be normal, I guess, uh, in in a way with her, and then show her the 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 brutalness, the brutality of of who he is. But uh, yeah, really, uh, really scary moment, and it feels like there's no opportunity now for this resistance within the seven, um, mm. because there's only Maeve and and Starlight left again. You know, so but then you also have potentially a powered Huey and a powered mm-hmm. Butcher. Yes, yes, outside of the seven. So oh, true. Yes. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm very interested to see what the final showdown will be, and if we yes. get a final showdown. And I know, I know, this is still a comic book show, and there's still heroes and villains, and we, of course, will get some kind of resolution to that. I don't think we're going to have uh, Homelander in charge of the entire planet at the end of the season with everybody dead around him. We're not going to get that, but, <laughs> but um, it was just one of those ones where the resistance within the Seven seemed to be building, and I was going, "Wow, A Train's on the path to redemption. He's joining that group as well." There's only the Deep and the Ho- and Homelander left now, right? So. They can definitely take them out. Oh, okay. No, that's all gone (laughs) by the end of the episode. Excellent. Uh, Well, there we go. That is it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have come to the end of our discussion on this episode. So there's only one thing left for me to ask. Derek, do you defend season three, episode four of The Boys' glorious five-year plan? Absolutely. Yes. I I loved this episode. Um, Probably because it's a bit more somber. Um, than a lot of the other episodes, apart from Kimiko's 
big battle uh or, or killing uh or killing everybody with uh with the yeah the the dildos i guess um that is the only moment of real humor almost and it was still very brutal and very violent but it's but it had the same kind of thing we love from the boys there was a, a, a character moment that came along with it which was really important to what's going on with kimiko and where her character's going and, and, and her path and, and what's what's happening but yes, that rising tension with Homelander, with everybody else in every other scene as well, was really, really uh, tough, really, really good and really tense to watch. Really enjoyed that. And yes, seeing Huey and, and Billy finally uh, unleashing their powers uh, on everybody around them, I thought was really cool to see as well. So uh, lots of good moments in the episode uh, and, and, and really enjoying where the season is going. So looking forward to the next episode and I definitely defend it. How about yourself, Chris? What do you think overall? Overall, I loved it. Um, this for me was a good mid-season kind of point mm-hmm. um, where you kind of you found the the MacGuffin in that they they found the the, the egg that they're after, mm-hmm. um, and the egg walked out after killing one of their friends, possibly killing taking one, it off the, like I potentially I know they're not going to kill the female, they're not yeah. going to kill her, but I think taking her off the board is interesting. I think what they've done to Huey and what they've done to Butcher is interesting. I think we just talked about every aspect of it, like mm-hmm. taking Stan Edgar off the board. Like they're yeah. really shuffling what we thought was going to be what the rest of the season played out as. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I like the boys. It's you do think they're going to go one way and either they go, they do do that, but they do it with oodles of blood and oodles Absolutely. of craziness or they don't do it at all. And they completely kind of, Go against your expectations of what mm-hmm. a show like this should do or absolutely. will do. Um, so, yeah, absolutely loved it. And looking forward to the remaining four episodes. Yes. And they always seem to have a lot of fun along the way. Like, yeah. you know, in this episode, I absolutely loved the opening with Soldier Boy doing the, the Blondie song on, uh, on TV and the William, William Shatner style was absolutely hilarious. What a great, a great opening. <laughs> I forgot to even mention A Train's, um, Kylie Jenner. Um, moment where the he Turbo was talking Rush, to the Kardashians. Yeah. It was basically where he did the he, his Pepsi ad. Oh, it was brilliant. His Turbo Rush ad. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. Where he's uh, he's effectively been told by everybody around him that he needs to support a cause, and now he's supporting Love Infinity. Uh, <laughs> the the marches and protests um, that mean absolutely nothing, yeah. so that he can sell his Turbo Rush drink. Yeah, love those little drop-ins that are going on which is again another reason why i thought atrium was going on the right path i thought he was seeing what he was doing on seeing what he was being forced to do and i thought he was going to uh going to turn against it but no nope no nope, that's not it but you know what we talked about his turbo rush but they're mm. not going to do a turbo rush in the pub no 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 unless it's turbo rush and vodka maybe they go. do they probably do yeah actually you're right they do <laughs> so let's go get a drink down in the pub let's go get a turbo rush and vodka Absolutely, yes. Time for the fourth question in our boys' pub quiz. Question four about this episode. Um, Hopefully an easy one, uh, since John's away. I'm I'm giving an easy one away. Uh, What's missing from the coffee that Stan Edgar brings to Victoria Newman when he visits her at home? Ooh, even I know this one. Yes. Yeah, it's very easy. So, once more, once more for everyone at home. Absolutely, yes. What's missing from the coffee that Stan Edgar brings to Victoria Newman in her home? That's the fourth question. Four more to go. Just gather together all the answers. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with all eight answers. And uh, you could be in the chance of getting your hands on some boys' goodies. Excellent. If you've missed any of the questions, pop on over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com. I usually put the question up a couple of days after the podcast releases. Um, You should see the questions up there. And speaking of tvpodcastindustries.com, did you know you can support our We Podcast Industry Productions? Yes, you can be a Patreon supporter by heading on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries where you can support us for any monthly amount going forward. Or if you'd like to support us with just a wee one-off donation, you can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi and buy us a coffee to keep our illustrious editor in caffeine this episode of tv podcast industries is brought to you by all of our supporters on patreon including amy fitzgerald thank you so much amy and everyone else but thank you so much amy 
Absolutely. Thanks so much, Amy, for your support. Uh, great to have you on board as one of our supporters over on Patreon. Yes, but you can also f- support us in other ways. You can support us by heading on over to any of our channels and essentially subscribing to the podcast there, giving us an old review. Because you know what? Just even a five-star review, it costs you nothing except a small bit of your time, but it really helps with that discoverability and telling your friends. And also, you can share it with your friends. Throw it up on socials. Tell everyone about how cool this boys podcast you've been listening to, how deep they get into the discussions, how much they like making crazy theories and getting it wrong. Well, how much one of the hosts likes making crazy theories and getting it wrong. While Chris the other saw person... the look I gave him. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. But because yes. remember, sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the boys. Please email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts that you have. We have got some feedback on uh, the first couple of episodes for the show. First up, uh, Jerry sent an email into us on feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, on the first three episodes, he says... Hey guys, let's start with holy crap. The first first 15 minutes of the first episode lets you know what kind of messed up stuff and gore we are getting this season. Poor Huey is losing belief in doing things the right way and he's going to lose Starlight in the process of bringing down Homelander. Butcher is going to going to be just as bad as Homelander by the end of this season. Homelander making the deep eat that live octopus was the grossest thing so far this season in my book. Homelander with no giving a flying F about anything is truly scary and delicious at the same time. Anthony Starr is killing it. By the way, did you guys catch the Rogue One Easter egg in episode one? Uh, They mentioned Tony Gilroy did the reshoots of Dawn of the Seven. Uh, Tony Gilroy did the reshoots for Rogue One as well. We did actually notice that. I think we called out that that Ashley is the one that's telling... um, the director of Donald the Seven, he didn't even do anything. <laughs> Tony Gilroy did uh, uh, did everything on that. Uh, and finally, Jerry says this show is the best superhero show out there with its subversive takes on superhero tropes and real social commentary. Jerry in Niceville, uh, love that. We're do, we're do so much coverage of superhero shows. I, I'm not too sure it's the best superhero show. I've loved uh, loads of other takes on it, but I do love the take they have on the boys. I think I need a little bit of balance on my superhero shows and need some of the really light stuff as well as some of this uh, this darkness uh, gotta get both right it's always both it's about balance it's all mm-hmm. about the yin and the yang the light side and the dark side the grey if you will mm-hmm. the grey Jedi not the, the, the white or dark Jedi anyway we're not getting into Star Wars takes nope. thank you so much Jerry appreciate the email on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industry, we got a few more pieces of feedback on episode three. First up, Dr. Bob Phillips had this to say. I thought we could get away with the clean clothes, Huey. Nope. The levels of sadism shown by Homelander are hopefully getting to the point of implosion, matching the angel and devil stuff as Butcher goes further into his own form of caregiving. 24 Hours is clearly flexible with the pharmacology of Temp V, not far off the real world of some daily dosed medicine. Mm-hmm. Very, very much enjoyed this episode. Winding the backstory of the bunch without dropping heavy exposition. I'm guessing we are off to find the cryogenic squaddy with an artificial limb in the next episode. Have we talked about how close to pantomime the show is with the principal boy prince and the camp as they can be villainy yet? No, we have not talked about that. It is, he's behind you. Oh, no, he isn't. He's behind. <laughs> uh, then. I, I don't think it's that bad. I, I think there's elements of over the topness yeah. to call out, but like as Jerry Niceville said, actually in our last piece, we're kind of mentioning how it's the tropes, but also real world commentary. It's that kind of subversive on both of them. Um, and I think yeah. that's what they do with this. I can see it straying into pantomime occasionally. You do, yeah. You, you, as an audience, you're watching it going, "Whoa!" <laughs> like you're getting, you're getting the enjoyment of that roller coaster of a of a ride from the show. But as I as I mentioned last week, it's uh, pantomime uh, matched with Coriolanus, and I don't know how well that would go down uh, at, a, at a kid's pantomime at Christmas if the whole front audience was covered in the blood of this show. Um, <laughs> but a really good call out there from Doctor Bob. Uh, if you noticed it there, off to find a cryogenic squatty with an artificial limb. Yes, there is definitely shades of uh, of winter. Winter Soldier uh, within this episode uh, that we saw. So Winter Soldier from Captain America, the uh, the frozen uh, captain, I guess. Yeah. Shades of him. Shades of him. No, definitely. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob, for that. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Heather Wallace says, I've spent so much of these first three episodes with my hands over my eyes, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be the pattern for the whole series. It's also really hard to watch the characters be so self-destructive. Butcher was cruel to Ryan to protect him. At least I hope that's why he did it. But Huey can't see how his obsession is endangering Starlight's life and pushing her away. And Starlight do not play along with Homelander's fake romance. It's going to go very badly. Poor Timothy, that was horrific. I kept hoping the Deep would stand up for himself, and now I kind of feel bad for having calamari for dinner the other night. <laughs> Excellent, Heather. Yes, I think anybody who's eaten uh, who's eaten seafood felt really bad after that scene with uh, with the Deep and Timothy. No, but again, no, um, I didn't. I had sushi over the weekend. I was fine with go. it. There you go. But again, another instance of his wife pushing him into him into it and manipulating him effectively as well. So, mm. uh, so it's not just the deep in it; it is also his wife. Yeah, she is deep within the deep mm. and the seven. Absolutely. Thanks, Alec. We have another piece of feedback from Will Walton, who had this to say: "The only advantage of the deep returning to the seven is that he also hates Homelander. I can see the season finale being the other members of the seven teaming up to date down Homelander." I also think Huey is going to take the V24 at some point. There you go. Agree? You, yes, Huey has taken V24. You got that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Deep was going to turn on Homelander anymore. I think his whole thing is now going to be he becomes so subservient to Homelander that he just basically crumbles. Mm-hmm. He has been beaten and abused uh, yeah. throughout the season. But interesting, if we take Will's feedback... Um, that's what it was attempted to uh, to happen in this episode was the other members of the Seven teaming up against yeah. Homelander, and it's already uh, gone by the wayside almost. So, uh, so interesting. The show obviously has more left in store for us uh, for the other four episodes. So they, uh, it's not a season finale moment. That's just something that happens in episode four of this show. So lots and lots more to go over the rest of the season few more bits of feedback after myself and Chris recorded. First up, Selima Kisler says, loving the season so far and where it's going. I'm thinking the plot to get this weapon to kill Homelander is going to fail somehow. Either they won't be able to get it, it won't work, or it doesn't actually exist. In the flashbacks, they didn't show us Soldier Boy's dead body, only Crimson Countess telling us the body was taken. Maybe he wasn't actually killed, but captured for experimenting or whatever. So where does that leave us? We see in this episode that Homelander either needs to be taken out or he's going to literally go scorched earth. Reason or blackmail isn't going to work anymore. I think Ryan is going to kill Homelander either out of self-defense or for some measure of vengeance for Becca. Ooh, Salim, very interesting. You've actually hit on something that happened in this episode, in episode four. Uh, So, uh, yes, we do see Soldier Boy is, uh, we think, being experimented on. That's how he has that additional power. So that's definitely it. And that that is the weapon that they've been chasing. Uh, So you're totally right on that. Ooh, but a future prediction of, is it Ryan that's going to kill Homelander? You know, I think that's quite likely. Um pitting the two of them against each other. It seems very boys-like to have uh, your own, what, 10, 12-year-old son uh, tearing you apart with his laser eyes. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a, like a boy's ending. We'll see uh, how it goes. Again, we have no idea how long the series is intended to run or how long Homelander is going to live as well. So uh, we, we don't know whether he's going to be killed by the end of the season, of course. But thanks for that, Salim. Let's go over to some emails as well. We got an email in from Jimbo Uren. Uh, Jimbo says, Hi, Super Team. It is great to be back with a new series I can follow live-ish with you, and hopefully more soon with Umbrella Academy at the end of the month. I have just finished watching episode two of The Boys and have no idea how, but somehow they're managing to outdo the first two seasons, especially that opening to episode one. There are so many good things to say, but for now, I really just have to call out Homelander, or more specifically, Anthony Starr's performance so far, which has been simply outstanding. I can't think of a better non-verbal performance of facial expressions in recent times, and I really look forward to seeing the aftermath of his speech at the end of episode two. All the best, Jimbo. Hope you enjoyed uh, how episode three and episode four have played out. That's all still the aftermath of that speech from uh, from Homelander. So um, it's definitely informing the rest of the season as well. Good to hear from you, Jimbo. Thanks so much for sending your email into us. Echoing those sentiments, Teresa also sent us an email to tvpodcastindustries.com saying, 
love it. This show pushes the boundaries more and more each season. There is nothing like it on TV. <laughs> You're totally right. There really isn't. And I'm really glad I, I mentioned this on our Miss Marvel coverage. I'm really glad that we're covering Miss Marvel as well to kind of offset and balance uh, this show with um, something a bit lighter and something a bit more a bit different because there's a lot of violence and gore going on in this and I like having that balance of having the two of them. Great to hear from you. Thanks so much, Teresa, for sending in your thoughts. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback. Uh, if you want to continue sending your feedback to us, please email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts. We will be back with our discussion about The Boys Season 3, Episode 5, uh, next week, uh, episode called The Last Time to Look on This World of Lies. Ooh, I like that name. Yeah, especially now we know that a defrosted Soldier Boy is out in the wild. Mm. Will we get a version of the iconic scene where Captain America runs into Times Square trying to figure out the time and what's happened mm. in the years since, but this time in Russia with a Soldier Boy? Who mm. knows? Very confusing for uh, for him to run out into the middle of Russia after being gone from 1984. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Uh, but yes, we'll see that. We'll see that next week. Uh, we have just started our coverage of Miss Marvel this week. Uh, first episode aired on Disney Plus on Wednesday of this week. Uh, Chris, unfortunately, unable to join us for that episode. Uh, but... We know you'll be back from your this trip, this next trip in time to cover the Umbrella Academy season three, which begins on Netflix from June twenty second. I will be, and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. If you had time, check on over to Netflix and particularly the YouTube channels because they have just given out some clips from their Geeked Week this week mm-hmm. of. The Hotel Obsidian, as well as also the Sparrow Academy. Two clips. Don't think it gives too much away. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally haven't watched them, but I've heard some great things of those who have. I'm just trying to keep myself a bit spoiler-free because I think this is going to be a fun season. Yep. So please do check it out. I've watched them, and uh, they were announced as both clips are from the opener, from the season opener. And remember, Perfect. it's a Netflix show, so they dump the entire season uh, in one day. So. so that opener is the whole season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. From episode one. Episode, episode one. Yes. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. See you guys again soon. Bye.